Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, headmaster of Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Court of Three Strands. This week we begin by exploring the intellectual virtues. Last week we did the theological virtues. Mr. Young, can you remind us what we mean by the intellectual virtues? You bet. So um, the intellectual virtues I mean by the natural endowments of the human mind. So human beings have these natural, the way God made our minds is that they have um, particular a, a particular virtue or excellence to them, and there are all sorts of lists on what those virtues are. You know, you can read. I think um, Aristotle has like seven or something like that. There's yeah, or five. You know, that for our purposes, and and I think I mentioned this in our um, introductory episode. Um, I, I'm using a list of three. So if you're here to try to listen in and and think I'm going to just pick like Aristotle's list or Aquinas's <laughs> list or something. It's, it's a, um, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm using three, a list of three. Um, it's the, the same list that we use at Providence Academy. So it's a little simplistic. I, I grant you, but it's effective. I think it, it helps us understand what, what's going on here. And the three intellectual virtues um, we're going to talk about um, in the, over these three episodes are knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And today we're going to talk about the intellectual virtue of knowledge. Yeah. Okay. So today is the intellectual virtue of knowledge. You know, how do you define knowledge, Mr. Young? Why don't we start there? Sure. So the way I define yeah. it um, is that it's the human faculty that apprehends fundamental principles or truth. I, I like to talk about it or think of it in the terms of the, the essence of a thing, right? Yeah. So we can apprehend truth or what a thing is or whether something is true or not like that. that it's just our, our mind doesn't have to do anything. It can simply apprehend it. Right. So when, when, uh, when I'm, you know, you're teaching a little kid or so, something, you, you hold up a, you know, my Coke bottle here, like, you know, now my wife's going to listen and go, you're drinking soda in that thing. It's, it's a one-time <laughs> thing and one-time thing, but I, you know, but I hold up and I, yeah. and I say, you know, bottle or something like that to, to a kid, they'll apprehend that thing and that it's a bottle. And from then on, they yeah. will know what a bottle is, right. They can find other things that hold liquid that have 
They can be different shapes, different colors, different. They get the essence of what that is. It's a bottle and they'll be able to defy all the other bottles. And they don't have to, they don't have to be taught every single time they see another bottle that it too is a bottle. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. They understand the the fundamental principle of bottleness and, and they can identify it in the individual bottles because that's how the human mind works. That's how God made us. We can understand the essence of a thing. And I want to say there's a, there's a biblical principle to this. So if you remember back in Genesis chapter two, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so God does this thing first is that he brings all the animals to Adam. And then it says that animal uh, Adam names them and that's what they are. Okay. So in other words, what, what Adam does is he uses words to, to describe reality and that's what they really are. There's yeah. a correspondence between the words that Adam used and the thing that actually is. Does that make sense? Yes. And the reason we can do this is because God created everything with what? Words. Yeah. yeah. Right? His word. Yeah. God, by his word, all things were created. So, so God uses words to create a thing, and then our minds are made so that we can see the logic or the, the logos of a thing. Yeah. We can, and we can use a word to say what it is. Yeah. Right. So I imagine, I imagine um, Adam sitting there and, you know, seeing these four legged things with antlers or whatever and going, Oh, those are deer. That's a buck. That's a doe. Those are fawns next. Right. You know, and, <laughs> right. And, and that's what they are. You know, that's what they are. He can, he can, except he probably said it in Hebrew. I, I don't know what, what kind of language they talked about in the garden, but it wasn't English. Right. But, right. but we get it right. There's, there's a correspondence between our language and, and the thing in itself, the, the, the reality set before us. And it's, and it's, our minds are wired that way. And God created it that way on purpose. Right. Yeah. So, so like, you know, let's use the example of like a bear, you know, if, if a young child looks at a grizzly bear and comprehends that this creature is a type of bear, obviously there's many different species of bears. They all look very different, but we as human beings possess the ability to know that they all belong to this same family. So is, is that ability knowledge? Yeah. To know that, to, to, to under, to see it and, and get that. Right. Yeah. So you know, he, let's suppose that the, the, the toddler sees a bear and uh, you, you're in your car and you're like, oh, no, that's a bear and we're going to get out of here. Right. And uh, and so, um, you know, the next day he sees a dog. Probably not going to call it a bear. Yeah, he might. And you go, no, 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 that's a dog. But then he'll look and I'll go, oh, now he can distinguish between a bear and a dog and a cat and a dog. And everything. He could distinguish it all. His, his mind is wired by God to correspond with the reality. And, and, that, and that's good. Our world right now is teaching us that that's, our words are what make reality rather than vice versa. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of, instead of there being a correspondence between our words and reality, we're being taught that there, there is no real truth. 
Right. So we can make up words to, to create realities. Yeah. And, and the, the problem is, the problem is Noah in our world is that reality will smack us in the face. Right. Yeah. So, so just think Roe v. Wade was just overturned. Praise God. Yeah. Right. Praise God. Uh, um, children, less children will be killed in the, their mother's womb. The womb that was designed to have babies. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, like what is this thing? Right. Right. We, again, we have the intellectual virtue of knowledge. We could know a thing. Yeah. Right. So what is a womb? What is a womb? Oh, it's specifically designed for a fertilized egg to be implanted, to, to grow and nurture a human being. Yeah. To repopulate our world, right? To have children, to have babies, right? right? These are babies. And it's all designed for that. Yeah. They're not just some random clump of cells. Yeah. They're not just my body, my choice, right? It's the only organ in a woman's body that's not designed for itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like, think of this, think of this, Noah. Every, every organ in my body is designed for my own benefit and survival. Every, every organ, mm -hmm. except perhaps whatever's making sperm. That's not for me. Right. That's for something else. Right. In a woman's body, every single organ, every single part of her body has been designed and made for her survival, for her life, for her, mm -hmm. right? Except her ovaries in her womb. They're not, they're not for her. Yeah. They're for something else. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like in, in it, it doesn't take rocket science. <laughs> we, yeah. We have the intellectual, we can know, you know, you know what you have to do. You have to be taught over and over and over again by a demonic um, system yeah. to disbelieve what we already know to be true. Well, that, you know, I was going to ask, like, how do we as a society, like, get away with, um, you, you know, essentially doing away with all of the, the knowledge that, that we've always known throughout history? You know, how, how is it that if we call somebody by a certain name, uh, you know, the gender that is displayed on their birth certificate no longer exists for them? You know? <laughs> right. It's, the, it's really weird. Um, I just heard a, a, a talk by Carl Truman. And he was talking about how uh, technology has, has done this. Right. So we, um, he, he refers to like, um, if a hundred years ago you were to come in and say, I'm really a woman trapped in a man's body, they would go, your mind is wrong and we need to work on your mind so that it is in line with reality. But now that we have enough technology, a person can go in and say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. And they go, huh, I have these instruments and these techniques and these pills and, and we're going to change reality to adapt to your mind. Wow. The problem is once again, the problem is we know knowledge better and reality will smack us in our face. Okay. So we can call a baby something different, call it a fetus. 
you know, you can't kill babies, but you can kill fetuses. Mm. Right. And then we go ahead and do that and then think that um, we've gotten away with it or that, you know, everything should be fine. But there's these things like guilt that come along, right? Because it's, we've just gone against the, the design of God yeah. and there's guilt, right? And, and what, what, you, what you see in our society is people who are guilty, who don't want to recognize it as guilt, confessing the sin, repenting of the sin and seeking forgiveness. What they want to do is double down on their sin and say that it's okay. The reason why I'm not feeling good about this is because other people are judging me, right? No, no, it's not the other people. It's you've gone against the word of God, right? That's where the guilt is coming from. But what they'll do is they'll go after the other people. You have to accept my behavior because I don't feel good. It's your fault. It's your judgment that's making things wrong. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And so eventually it goes to acceptance, then to approval, and then it needs to be forced down everyone's throat. Yes. But guess what? It doesn't remove the guilt. There's still going to be this guilt just tearing at the, the person. The, 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 the boy who's messed up, who's weird, or, you know, has a gender dysphoria, this is a mental illness. Yeah. And, and, and if they try to mutilate their bodies to become something that they're not, it's not going to help them. And, and they're going to blame their troubles, their depressions, their everything on the others who aren't accepting of them. They, Cause they think the problem is other people. No, you've gone against reality and it doesn't work. You've gone against God. It, it's, it's, it's never going to work. And, and here's the thing we've, we've lived for thousands of years on planet earth. Yes. And you'd think we'd learn by now. You can't go against nature and, and, um, and, and everything go well. Right. It, it'll always come back and smack you in the face. <laughs> and, and we call, and here's, here's the other part in Romans chapter one. God talks about like we are without excuse because what we know can be known through nature. It can be known through nature. We know. And so by nature, this knowledge that we have, yeah. these first principles that we can know will tell us what are, what's right and wrong. That it is not right for a man to lie with another man like they would with a woman. It's not right for a woman to lie with another woman as if they were, you know, like they would with a man. That's, it doesn't work. It's not true. Yeah. It's, it's not good. It's not beautiful. Yeah. And, and what, what God says is his wrath then is being displayed on earth against this wickedness. And here's, here it is, Noah, ready? God's wrath is simply letting us do what we want. Wow. How scary is that? Can you imagine you know, it's like the adult has left the room. All the kids just could do whatever they want. And it turns into chaos and someone's going to get hurt. You know, that's true. Yeah. It's true everywhere. It's, it's true in the classroom, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's true in the frat house. It's true everywhere. At, at some point when all of a sudden the boundaries are removed and no one's going to, no one's going to, they're just going to let you do what you want to do. You know that it's going to cause lots of hurt and pain. Something's, it's going to be bad. It's yeah. going to be chaos. No one's thriving in that world. And that's what God has said. 
if you keep this up, I'm going to go ahead and let you do what you want. And that's, that's where we're at in our society. Is that why we do it? Is that why our society has done away with knowledge simply because we enjoy the sinful things we do? Yeah. We know better than God, right? You know, it is, it's a, it's a, it is a, um, it is a revolt against God. We don't like how God has made things. We don't like how God has done things. We don't like the fact that we need to repent and bow the knee. And so we rebel against him. And we think, right? It's the story of Babel all over, mm. right? So the flood comes, right? Everyone's wiped out. No one has families left. They start repopulating the earth. And then someone gets the idea, we should build a tower and make a name for ourselves. We should use this technology, right? And, and in, um, in Josephus, when he talks about the history of the Jews, and he talks about the Babel story. He talks about it as if we're going to build this this tower to heaven um, and make a name for ourselves. And, and we're going to do it so that uh, God can't kill us if he floods again. Right. Mm. Even though he's promised, he won't flood the world again. Yeah. You know, so this is this rebellion that's going to happen. And it's like, you know, our technology is going to save us. No, it doesn't. No. It, it never saves. Our technology won't save us. Our heart is the issue. Our heart is wicked. Um, we're fallen both in mind and, and will we're, we're fallen. We're sinful. Um, that's the problem. No matter what kind of technology we do to make things better, it's going to stay the same or get worse because unless we repent, unless the spirit of God <laughs> imparts to us his spirit yeah. and, and the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, there's no, there's no getting better. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, one of the three strands is school. I'm curious as we talk about knowledge, you know, because you're headmaster of Providence Academy here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Mr. Yes. What is the role of a school, you know, in, I I don't know what you'd call that inspiring knowledge, nurturing knowledge, teaching knowledge in a student, you know, because that that our teaching should grow out of the idea of knowledge. It should be assumed that that kids can know, and so we should teach them to know, right? And and knowledge. So, uh, some of the greatest things we could do as parents when we have young children is simply to have them explore, to ask questions, to name things, right? And to allow them to identify and name things, and then to categorize those things. You know, categorize their knowledge that they can see that that this this dog and this, you know, deer, you yeah. mentioned those before are, are similar. Yeah. You know, we call them mammals, right? right. Uh, they're very similar, but, but the, the snake and the lizard, they're not like those things, but those two things are similar. Yeah. Right. We'll call those reptiles. Yeah. Right? Right. You know, you can, we did this all the time with our kids, you know, we'd have them go find bugs and, and stuff. And you, They'd look and I'd make them observe and how many body parts? Well, they got three body parts, a head, a thorax, and a, you know, that has an abdomen. How many legs? They got six legs. Okay, that's an insect. Oh, yeah, you know, and they can identify insects. How about this one? Well, it has two body parts and has eight legs. Well, that's an arachnid, right? So yeah. a spider, you know, those types of things. And so they can see the difference between these bugs. These bugs are arachnids. These bugs are insects. Yeah. Right? And they can, they can just, they can know and they can see the essence of these things. And, 
You know, if they're, they have wings, they should fly. Yeah. Well, look at this bumblebee. Well, the science says they shouldn't be able to fly, but they do. And no, I'm just kidding. They, they have yeah. wings, they fly, you know, that type of thing. Let, yeah. Let's, this is fascinating. So let's talk about, you know, classical education for a minute, because, okay. Aside from the, you know, political propaganda that pollutes our public school systems. In, in what ways does a classical school like Providence Academy inspire knowledge in the way that a, a standard public school curriculum does not? Well, the, the easiest thing I can say is this, is we don't have to worry about making stuff up, right? We, we can be truthful. And we can talk about the true nature of things. We don't have to remember, well, what's our language supposed to be about this or that, or, <laughs> yeah. or what pronoun are we supposed to use or what, but right. So we just, right. We know that that's a boy and that's a girl. So that's a him and that's a her. And we're going to make them dress like that. That's a boy. And this is how boys dress this is yeah. a girl. This is how they dress. Right. This is right. The boy is going to grow up to be a man. The girl's going to grow up to a woman, that boy and that girl, they could be equal in strength right now and speed and all that other stuff. But eventually that boy is going to be much stronger than that girl. And so we need to train them at a young age to honor the weaker vessel. Right. Mm -hmm. So we want to, we want you to open the doors for the girls. We want you to right because we want you to treat as, as someone who's going to be a man to treat uh, women with respect that is due them based upon how God made us. Right. Yeah. So we do things like that. We do crazy things like that. We teach manners. Yeah. How crazy is that? Um, but, but the other part to it is, is this, this, um, this trust that um, kids have the capacity to know. So we want them to, to explore. We want them to observe. We want them to right to ask questions. We want them to, to, to do hands-on things so that they can get, become good knowers. And then we start teaching them all sorts of things that they can know. Yeah. Right. And cause they can know all sorts of things. And, and that's, and then we're, and here's the big thing though, is we have to be careful with language. That's part of who we are as dominion is image bearers. Right. Yeah. And having dominion is to be careful with our language that our language corresponds to truth. So we don't want to borrow the language of the secular world. We don't want to borrow the, the uh, woke or the, you know, whatever the issue is de jour. Mm -hmm. We want to, we want to stick as close as we can to what the Bible teaches and what the Bible says, because it's true. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And the, the whole thing, the, the great thing is, is that the, the kids thrive in that. Well, and, and I remember this from my own Providence education is, you know, if a student has an opinion about a particular topic or issue, you, you don't right? Cause like, you know, the ju juniors thesis, senior thesis, the students are allowed to pick a topic to yep. Yep. write on. And even if their belief on that topic doesn't necessarily reflect the belief of the faculty here at Providence, they're yeah. not shunned or told to shut up. No, I, I do that in private. I tell them to shut up. No, I'm just <laughs> That's a joke, everyone. Um, you're right. They, they're, they have their belief, they have opinion. What we're wanting from them is to be able to prove it, yeah. right? We want them to use logic. I mean, we're jumping ahead of ourselves because we're going to start talking about understanding tomorrow or, or next week, I mean. Yeah. But we want them to be able to say, here's the thesis, here's, here's what I believe about it and prove 
um, using logic that the the argument. So they have to support their their topic. They have to they have to demonstrate it, right? So we might not agree with them, but if they do a pretty good job in in it, they're still going to get a good grade. Now, in their senior year, they have to defend it too, right? Yeah. That becomes more difficult. And I think usually you see in the senior thesis, there's less, uh, you know, going, reaching for the stars to try to do some sort of, you know, unusual thing, because yeah. if, if they can't defend their idea, it, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. So the, the, the thesis advisor will help them like, like, what about this question? What about this? Can you, would you be able to defend it? And they'll go, no, then, yeah, then it's probably, you're probably not on the right track here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So any parting thoughts on knowledge, Mr. Young, this has been a great conversation. You know, we've talked about, you know, the ways that knowledge pops up in, you know, the school and education and in one's personal life. But, you know, as people tune out of our episode today and move on with their weeks, what would you tell them? I would tell them that they should be confident in their ability to know and that also give their children the confidence in the ability to know when they see a clearly a man and they call him a man and everyone else says, no, 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 that's a woman. Um, don't, don't live by lies. Don't allow them to be confident in, in their ability to know. Cause they do know it's, it's not, like I said, it's, if, if you have to teach something against what everyone else knows, it's probably not true. <laughs> do, do, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? In in that that regard, and it, and if a if a whole school system or political system has to arise to get you to say the right words in order to be accepted, then that's propaganda, and that's not about following truth. Mm. And you should pull your kids out right now and get them to Providence Academy. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a pitch? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 